Let's talk digital. We are at the cutting edge of digital tweaks, changes, transformation. A local digital marketing podcast. Conversing with industry experts and giving excerpts about the exceptional. Hosted by Audrey Naidu. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the I'm really looking forward to what's coming up in South Africa in the next couple of months and years. How's it everyone? Welcome back to this week's episode with me, Audrey Naidu. Today we are firing it up as you are in for a sizzling hot treat. Let's give a warm welcome to Doug Place, Chief Marketing Officer at Nando's Africa, Middle East and South Asia. He is responsible for all components of the marketing function for more than 400 restaurants in 13 countries. Joining him is Darren Hampton, GM for Digital Marketing and E-Commerce at Nando's. Welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. Thanks. Thank you. Nice to be here. Nice to be called a gentleman. (laughs) Doug, I'm going to start with you. You have won over 100 international and national marketing advertising awards. Last year, you were named the most admired marketing professional in South Africa. When you are not winning awards, you are a musician, a photographer, and devoted to the Proteas. Please share your success story with us. Oh, wow. Um, I think you just did. Um, I'm really lucky. I, I, I've, had a, I've, I've got to work with very clever people like Darren and, uh, and many, many others. Uh, and you know, marketing as a discipline is something I'm really, I really love it. It's always fresh and interesting and there's no better place in the world I think to really practice the discipline or the professional marketing like South Africa because uh, you know you know we're dealing with so many conflicting cultures and emerging trends all of the time that the ability to position a brand like Nando's uh, in the the sea of uncertainty is a is a rare privilege and what I really enjoy so the uh, the prizes and the the applause and those things are I think more enjoyed by my mom and my wife than, than by me. For me, they're really, I suppose, a byproduct of getting to do what I love to do every day. So, uh, yeah, thank you for a very flattering introduction. I think when you're passionate about something, then you don't realize you're doing a job. You're actually living your passion. Sure. sure. Look, there are, there are days where the, the job is, like, head-bangingly difficult, for sure. But uh, that's, that's the joy, man. If it was easy, anyone, anyone would do it. And it probably wouldn't be as interesting as it is. Exactly. Darren, I noticed that you and Doug share some history together. Both of you were at Stir Kinico and now at Nando's. Is this sheer coincidence? <laughs> well, it's, uh, I mean, it's the natural progression, you know, from movies to chicken in terms <laughs> of your career. Uh, so, you know, there's coincidence in that. But, um, yeah, I've been, I've been very, very privileged to work uh, with Doug for uh, about a decade. Um, as we've uh, navigated the uh, the nuances of South Africa together, but um, yeah, I, th- it, uh, I think it's it's rare to find a I suppose a team combination where uh, there's a level of trust and you just kind of know what uh, what what the different skill sets are, uh, and and when it works, it works. Mm. And when you are not working, you are busy playing the guitar, drums, renovating houses, and looking after a one-year-old. Where do you find the time? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, it, it's it's easy to put those things down on a on a bio, but uh, the reality of doing all of those things and finding time to do them is, is a lot is a lot harder. Um, it's certainly after after the birth of my my little guy, my little son. Thanks, guys, for that awesome intro. Now let's get down to our topic for today. Doug, when the announcement was made in March with regards to level five lockdown. 
What was the impact to your business and your customers? We're, we're lucky in that uh, in Nando's is a multinational brand, so we operate in more than 23 countries around the world. So we had sort of seen the coronavirus story unfolding from January, actually. Um, and then as as it became more than just, you know, an isolated Chinese news story and became a you know, global phenomenon that it is, uh, we had seen, you know, firsthand that a, a lockdown was going to be the most likely course of action. Uh, what we didn't know was when or how severe. And of all of those 23 countries, South Africa took the uh, fastest and most severe lockdown as it relates to restaurants, our business. Um, in most of the rest of the world in which we operate, we, we can still trade with uh, off-premise you know, consumption like you know, delivery or drive-throughs uh, or the like. So you can still keep part of the business alive. Whereas in South Africa, we, we weren't allowed to trade at all. So the economic impact of that is devastating um, because, you know, you, you have all of the costs. You still, you still want to pay people their salaries. You still want to settle your accounts with your suppliers. Uh, you want to, you know, look after as many things that are fundamental to who we are as a business as we possibly can. And there's, there's not one rand hitting the till. Um, we're really fortunate in that we have incredibly generous um, and, and forward-thinking shareholders you know, we're a privately held business. So we're quite shy about our results. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've taken a long-term view, which was if we look back on this time, as many of us will, you know, what are things we want to be proud of? And we wanted to be proud of, you know, the way in which we handled this rather than, you know, all of the profit, being, you know, we could possibly protect. So as a, as a business, we, you know, agreed to pay all of our employees their full salaries. There were some salary sacrifices which were voluntary from an executive perspective. Um, but that also created sizable enough you know, resources to be able to continue to pay all of our suppliers, you know, negotiate fairly with all of our landlords, uh, and keep out as many of our employees you know, safe uh, as possible when they need resources now more than ever. So that's a very expensive decision. It's, it's a it's an easy one to make, but a hard one to live with, as I think I said in the meetings earlier this week. And from a you know an online perspective, what we saw almost immediately, and Darren can talk to this in more detail, was uh, not only were people concerned that they couldn't have the world's best flame grilled peri peri chicken for you know at the time we didn't know it was going to be as long as it was. We assumed, like most South Africans, it would be a four-week lockdown, and it turned into almost you know, a three-month lockdown from. Uh, our perspective. We, we only reopened for you know, dine-in trade on Monday, so two days ago. And uh, a lot of the uh, commentary we had online was for people to say, please, we, we know you can't do business, but please don't go away. We love who you are as a brand. We love hearing from you. We love talking to you. Uh, and so we, uh, you know, we, it, it wasn't ever going to be a difficult decision, but we wanted to keep you know, present and stay with people as you know, a proudly South African brand more than ever, we wanted to be with the people in this time. And even though we couldn't sell them their favorite food, uh, we could still you know, share their experiences with them in whatever online way we could. And Doug, from a marketing perspective, how has this impacted marketing? Because uh, the reason why I'm asking this is a lot of brands, we've seen a halt and a pause to all marketing efforts. Um, what did you do during this time? I can't speak for other brands, uh, but like most businesses, there has been a enormous pressure on cash flow and one of the things which you can do quite quickly is to turn off you know advertising and marketing and preserve fairly significant cash flow and that's a 
that's a, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad decision, um, but it wasn't necessarily a decision we wanted to make. Um, you know, Nando's has always been a brand which zigs when others zags, you know, and certainly from a restaurant perspective, most of the South African restaurant story is about, you know, multinational brands coming here, you know, particularly American brands. And Nando's has always been since 1987. A, a, it's been a story about a brand that originated here and then went to the rest of the world and not vice versa. So it's in our DNA to do things, I suppose, contrary to trend. Uh, whilst, you know, we had to make certain, you know, media decisions. It was, for example, largely pointless to have a big, you know, outdoor campaign when people weren't allowed outdoors. Mm. So that's just a pragmatic decision. But that doesn't mean we turn off marketing. So, uh, we've had a very proud online presence, so we doubled down our efforts there, you know, very fundamentally. And so, you know, being able to, <laughs> we, uh, uh, we we put together a dictionary. We wanted to call it the COVID dictionary, but we couldn't call it that because you couldn't use the word COVID uh, on social media. It's sort of, a, you know, flagged as potential fake news. So we called it lockdown lingo. And, uh, you know, with a lot of South Africans, you know, found new vocabulary to describe the lockdown state that most South Africans were in. And what that does is it creates a sense of shared history and shared empathy that, you know, we're also locked down. We also miss being with, you know, our customers and being with our, you know, broader social networks and uh, our broader communities. And, you know, everything from that to, you know, how can we possibly help? So we've teamed up with the, uh, the President's Solidarity Fund. Uh, we did some really, and continue to do some really interesting work with them. Uh, in terms of you know helping them get their key messages out, but also you know raising much needed funds for them, uh, so that they can you know, look after particularly vulnerable communities. So what we have is a is a very engaged audience, and what they have is a very serious network that, that allows to address the most acute problems faced by society as a result of the coronavirus. And then uh, we also, interestingly, um, and we worked with a couple of other restaurant brands in just. You know, discussing with government what we think the various protocols could be in terms of operating in a safe way and you know, to reopen the economy such that we don't make what is already a devastating you know, health pandemic and you know, a catastrophic economic uh, situation as well. So we were, we were very involved with the Consumer Goods Council, the Restaurant Association of South Africa, various franchising bodies, uh, and all of them had very similar challenges to us. And so we said, well, you know, we can't open to the public, but we can, you know, what we do for a living is cook brilliant food and we cook it really safely. So uh, we started what's it's kind of been known now as the frenemies campaign, although well, that wasn't the public name for it. But, you know, with KFC and McDonald's in particular, uh, we cooked all of the food that we had in our restaurants that we couldn't sell to the public and then distributed that with the help of joint aid management uh, jam to the most you know vulnerable communities across south africa and you know we watched with dismay like many people the news feeds of you know two or three long kilometer queues where people can't social distance adequately just so they can go and get food and uh, so we wanted to kind of rally to that cause so we we set aside any differences we may have had as brands uh, and that created some lively internet conversation as well uh, and you know, we fed you know, a couple hundred thousand people over the period of two or three weeks. And you know, this is this is an ongoing story. We're still looking for further opportunities uh, to be a brand that really shows up when many other brands, to your question, have disappeared. Yeah, no, I think that is very commendable. 
um, and in terms of brands standing up for social causes instead of uh, you know profitability, like you you rightly said, I, I just want to um, talk to Darren now in terms of digital and pivoting to digital during this time. And and I think briefly we spoke about um, Nando's introducing um, Nando's curbside during level four. Um, Darren, you want to give us some insight into this? Yeah, sure. I think um, during the the time of uncertainty and I suppose a, a bit of flux, uh, to Doug's point, you know, you, as a business, you're looking for any opportunity to try and maintain your cash reserves. So, if that meant changing the way that you previously did things, then if it was worth it, so be it. So I think like a lot of brands, we went through a period of two years worth of innovation within a space of three months. Um, and curbside was certainly on our radar as, as a potential feature that we could add on to the Nando's uh, application, which we launched a couple of years ago. I suppose COVID helped helped us make that decision for us in that it, it, it was uh, born out of necessity rather than... Uh, uh, than, than luxury. So the, the decisions that we had to make was how do we introduce a new channel that I suppose eases people's anxiety around ordering food. So it gives people the ability to order food uh, in, a, in a contactless manner, which was, I suppose, the, the worry at the time and, and to a degree still is at the moment. The decisions we had to make, I think, were around the, 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 the trade-off between Spreed and Craft. Um, and a feature can be the world's greatest feature that nobody else has ever done, or it can be a functional feature that uh, that helps both the customer and the business. And the decision to get to get that out faster than uh, than it took to time to 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 create the real craft of it was was something that we we took into account. So we got it out, and it's been quite it's been really successful since launch. Um, it's, it's amazing how. Uh, you know, you, as, as marketers, you often think you have to explain every single step of the journey to um, to audiences, but people, you know, pick things up very quickly. Uh, and that's certainly the case for Curbside, where uh, it became a big portion of business for a lot of restaurants. Yeah, and retailers too. I mean, um, consumers were, were taking on to online delivery, whereas previously we've seen a slow adoption to e-commerce in South Africa. COVID kind of fast-tracked that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we call it, it's a massive sampling drive for e-commerce in South Africa. Um, I think we were sitting at below 2% of, of um, re- total retail sales within South Africa being online. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's jumped to north of 6 7% uh, over this period. Mm, I'm sure it has. Um, I, I actually want to now um, talk about um, e-commerce again and um, how Nando's use uh, technology to propel your e-commerce efforts. Yeah, so uh, everyone has an app nowadays, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But um, we started our e-commerce journey about three years ago. Um, and whilst many brands were already playing in that space, particularly around delivery, a lot of the pizza brands were, uh, we were, we were fairly late to the game, but for, for good reason. Um, our efforts and our, our attention were focused on grilling delicious flame-grilled peri-peri chicken and serving that in, in the best possible way in, in, a, in our contemporary African environment. And that's been the success of the brand globally for the last 30 years. So, you know, any, any distraction from that, uh, you know, needs, needs a, a real business case for it. So we intentionally didn't play in that space. But there was certainly a move towards more convenient formats and, and ways to get you your food. And the growth of e-commerce certainly started to show in the South African numbers. Um, about three years ago, we were probably less than 
1% of all our, our, our retail sales as a, as a country were done online. Uh, whereas now uh, that number has more than trebled. And with COVID specifically, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that number is closer towards six, 7% of total sales. So, you know, e-commerce is definitely growing in South Africa. Um, and the, the reason for introducing our own platform is that, A, we can ensure that the experience of Nando's uh, is maintained even when you're not at a Nando's. So whilst the online journey is not the same as being in, in a restaurant, there are things that we can control to keep that kind of brand experience across. So that was kind of the one rationale. The other side of it was uh, we can control the experience throughout. So not only the user experience online, but also uh, from from our delivery drivers, uh, who the people are, making sure that it's the right caliber of people um, because the people component is a massive part of the brand and a massive part of, of, um, of the journey. So that was... So the, the other side of it, I think the benefit of having your own platform is it not only is a transactional platform, but it's also a media channel. So whilst we spend and, and a lot of brands spend a lot of money on US based um, social channels uh, like um, Google, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the likes, um, you know, having an audience on your own platform allows you to talk to a base of people in the way that you want to without paying um, somebody else to to broadcast that for you. So there were lots of pros uh, for, for bringing in our own e-commerce platform and it continues to, to be a big part of our business now. Um, Darren, and we spoke earlier around uh, social media and how do you actually structure for success because um, um, there's the community managers and then there's your social media content and the agility of actually reacting um, in real time to uh, politics, to news, um, anything that's relevant and contextual during that time. What is your secret to success? I suppose um, highlighting a secret to success indicates that you've mastered it. And uh, we certainly certainly haven't. I think we, we're learning and discovering new things uh, every day. And COVID is no, uh, is, is no exception for that. But I think things, things that have helped us certainly are um, the, the type of partners that you have on board. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of focus is put uh, on profiling the creative director and the ECDs of uh, an agency um, and the support staff, if you want to call it in in, um, in in quotes, is you know is is an add-on to that. But for us, it's certainly the other way around in that uh, we spend as much time and energy and focus on who the personnel is behind community management because that's the voice of the brand uh, within the channel. And the beauty of, of social media is that it's allowed us uh, and allowed all brands to talk with people as opposed to broadcast to people, which is more of your traditional uh, media, media channels. So that was that's a very important part of it. So we've evolved in who, who uh, we, we get on board. Um, I think the idea of yeah, having to approve and process and having formal um, structures in how and how you go about deploying creative uh, needs to kind of get out uh, go out the window um, and there's a there's a level of like instantaneous that um, or spontaneity that you have to have within the team so and again that highlights the importance of the type of people that you have you know it's a it's a very intuitive type of um, uh, role so that's that's important and and how do you enable uh, the team to to be able to do what they do best uh, and as a marketer, sometimes get out of the way of that or 
just guide the team in, in terms of what the brand stands for and what the brand doesn't stand for. So those are, those are the, I suppose, the two things that stand out for me. Um, COVID, to, to Doug's point, the, the fact that COVID and the situation and how people were feeling was changing on a daily basis, it was very difficult to try and create long-term campaigns under those circumstances. And that's where the beauty of community management comes into play and in that it, it, by nature of it, it changes you know, within, the, within the hour. Um, so by focusing more time and effort on that, you're able to adapt to that change and to, and to you know, weave, the, weave what conversation you get involved in and, and decide on how the brand is portrayed. Um, Darren, I just wanted to touch on what you said about um, Nando's mastering social media. And I think you guys have got it right. Um, uh, in terms of using a, an example, I mean, on Sunday, we've, we've heard the president put a ban on um, alcohol, but you guys were, were fast on social media. You, you actually came back with a social media post or campaign. Do you want to take us through that? Yeah, sure. It, uh, it caught me off guard as well. So sadly, I hadn't uh, restocked my cupboard. So it, I, I felt it, certainly. But um, yeah, I think we we got a note, obviously, as, as all of us did, that uh, the president was going to address the nation that evening. Um, so we obviously got, got the team together and and chill options that we could go with based on what the assumptions were. Um, alcohol ban was something that um, that was forecasted to uh, to be addressed, uh, but also the reality of the climbing numbers uh, in terms of the infection rate. Um, the president gave us an update on where the health department is within with regards to uh, hospital beds. Uh, and I think this, the situation, you know, is certainly very real for a very, for a lot of people. Um, so we knew that we knew that a lot of people were going to be watching and that it is, it was certainly going to be a t- talking point. What that talking point was going to be, obviously we didn't know. Um, so as he was going through, we always try and look at kind of what is, what is the mood that is being reflected and what can each of us South Africans agree on? Um, and certainly the, uh, the limiting of, of alcohol was always going to be a big talking point. Um, but, you know, if you look back at the numbers as, as to what, uh, what Cyril was talking about, you know, with infection rates of, you know, north of 15 to 18,000 records a day, uh, which is massive, um, just the numbers behind the reality and the seriousness of the situation was very sobering. Um, so that together with the, the obvious implications of banning alcohol um, meant that there was a nice opportunity for us to, to have a bit of a play on words around the idea of uh, sobering as, as the one feeling that everybody felt. It's often there's a tendency to try and over, overcraft a piece of comms, but uh, we felt that often Less, the less said, the more impactful it's said. Uh, and, and so, uh, so we went out with, the, with a piece of comms uh, that evening and uh, yeah, it was, it was really well received. So I'm on this digital group. As soon as the post came out, this was on the group and uh, two things the guy said was brilliant and Nando's remain undefeated. <laughs> Sadly, I'm not invited to that group. So that's another discussion. Uh, yeah. We're not on the same WhatsApp group. So I've got serious FOMO. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I'm glad. Some sometimes they stick, and uh, you know, for for every piece, I think there's an assumption that every piece of comms uh, that we do, uh, you know, it hits the mark. But the reality is, is that for every 
you know, five pieces we create, you know, one is really the one that stands out and people remember that one as opposed to uh, those that don't, which is fortunate. And I think that it gives you, um, I suppose, peace of mind to have a bit of fun and, and, and just to play without the risk of, of upsetting too many people. So I'm, I'm glad that worked. Yeah, uh, you mentioned um, you guys got together. So this uh, this was on Sunday. When did you start the planning process? Uh, well, a little caveat. When I say get together, obviously responsibly with yes. uh, um, social distancing in mind. No, no, I know what <laughs> as, you mean. As we're forced exactly. to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I think uh, not, not that long before. I mean, the, like I say, the announcement was made that morning. Um, so that's when we kind of flagged it internally to say, hey, this is coming. And, you know, the amount of kind of desktop research that you can do between when he actually announced versus when they announced uh, at the time uh, is, is all that you can actually prepare for. The rest is uh, just making sure that everybody is in line with kind of what the brand stance is on a particular topic uh, and that the guardrails or the bowling lanes are very clear because then you can uh, you can filter out what is not necessary and, and really channel your energy on something that uh, that everybody's on the same page about. So so that would be like a few hours turnaround time on getting this out. Yeah. Mm. Um, Doug, how do you ensure, you know, from a brand perspective that your brand voice is always consistent? I think it's easier for things if you're a brand like Nando's, which is, it's like the voice of the average South African. Uh, which is, it's not one thing, it's, it's lots of things, and it's fairly you know, contextually dependent. Um, you know, and we try to put it through a very simple filter, which is it slick, is it smart, is it funny, and is it South African? And if it doesn't meet those criteria, then we just don't say it. And I think what a lot of brands get wrong is they, they are more interested, I suppose, in, in appearing formal and professional than they are in appearing human. And when it comes to conversations online in particular, and there was actually a really nice article published about us a, a couple of days ago without any uh, bribery or solicitation from us uh, around the way in which, you know, Darren and his team in particular do community management online, which is, you know, the, it's not that the customer is always right, but the customer is always human, which means they, you know, they make mistakes too. Uh, and, you know, they are, they are prone to error, as are we. And I think because of the humanity of our tone of voice, it does create a degree of familiarity and therefore trust, as opposed to a lot of other brands, and in particular, big institutional brands like telecoms or uh, banks or financial institutions who want to come across as you know a professional in a suit and tie when they're dealing with the public, which isn't like that at all. And so being able to kind of bridge that empathy with the, you know, the human experience in all of the, you know, the frivolous things that we laugh about and the serious things that we worry about um, gives us a degree of flexibility that allows us to speak to a context, but also to your point, a degree of consistency, which is, you know, we're a brand that grills things for a living. And, you know, sometimes you're going to get your fingers burnt and that's okay. And risk tolerance isn't, you know, it isn't important, but it's mandatory. Like if you aren't prepared to take a risk, um, then it's very hard to move a brand or a business or even in society forward. So man, yeah, we do, we definitely make mistakes fairly regularly. And ironically, it's because we're human that we, we're more likely to, I suppose, be forgiven for those mistakes. Um, if you look at the, you know, the, the massive challenges facing Clover, for what I personally think is a huge error in judgment and some pretty poor marketing thinking. I mean, there's potential for something good in that mm. campaign. Um, 
because they don't have that, you know, consistent, you know, tone of voice and, you know, relationship with the, you know, the broader public, uh, what was a confusing piece of, you know, marketing collateral from them has now become a fairly painful piece of marketing collateral for them. And I think that potentially can be avoided by many, uh, many brands. So I suppose... To, to answer your question, consistency really is important, but I think humanity is far more important than consistency. You know, at the end of the day, we are working alongside, working with and working for people. Uh, and that matters a lot more than, you know, making sure that the rules of the marketing textbook are expertly applied in every single context. Nando's does something that other brands um, often fail to do is put the, the customer first from a marketing perspective. Um, and and that can go wrong. I mean, especially now you mentioned clover. I mean, it's a recipe for disaster if they don't actually consider the customer. But if you suddenly pop up something that the customer is not expected from your brand, obviously you're going to get a reaction from them. Sure. I mean, we we do unexpected things all the time for customers. It's not a, a case of you know being boring and predictable. I mean, we uh, a couple of years ago we had a campaign called hashtag Write My Name, which was a software solution to non-English names. I mean, that couldn't be further from what we sell for a living. But what it really addressed was a fairly painful reality for most South Africans whose names aren't Doug and Darren, that when they type their name into a piece of software, and this is a digital show after all, that they get a red line underneath, that much like Nando's gets the red line and our signature ingredient, Perry Perry, also gets the red line. So there's a degree of legitimacy in terms of what that program is about. But, you know, it's what that stands for that really matters, which is, we, you know, are not victims of our circumstances. We can take a certain degree of responsibility over it and we can make things better. And we don't do it in a sanctimonious, self-righteous, chest-beating way. We wanted to do it, to my point earlier, in a way that was slick and smart and South African and funny. And as a result of that, people really responded to that. And they responded so well that that became more than just a South African campaign. We then rolled it out in Botswana and India and Bangladesh and other Nando's territories, which, you know, are not you know, Anglo-Saxon, you know, name dominant. So how do you take, um, how did you take a concept like that and make it uh, localized for your other uh, in-country markets? Well, the, the, the insight was the same, which is that, you know, an issue, you know, like less than 5% of the world have traditional English names. And yet most of the software suppliers are, you know, American. So, you know, the Googles and the Amazons and the Microsofts of the world. Uh, so the, you know, there, there's a mismatch between, I suppose, the cultural reality of most people and where the software originates from. And that's true everywhere, whether your name is Sandile or your name is Pravesh. So it didn't require a huge degree of localization because the insight is the same everywhere. Uh, we just used, you know, for example, you know, Cyril Ramaphosa. His first name isn't Cyril. It's Matamela. Uh, and there are many, many similar examples of this around the world, which, you know, people didn't realize. So if you just highlight where people have defaulted to traditional English names as a way to circumnavigate, you know, things like software and autocorrect. Uh, and, you know, the solution is really simple. You just add your name to a database and you make that database publicly available for free so anyone can do it. And what was really in, you know, key for us in that was we could do that. We could phone Google and say, here's our database, add it to yours. But there was a real dignity in letting people add their own name to the database. And that's what I'm, you know, mentioned earlier, that we're not victims of circumstance. Like you, you know, Audrey, if your name was spelled, you know, unconventionally, can write your own name by adding it to this database and then using that database in whatever way, you know, you want to do. 
you know, to use it. So at the heart of it is, you know, it's putting the customer first, but also letting the customer put themselves first rather than, I suppose, a lot of brand communications fall prey to this. Is, you know, they're the heroes in their own adverts, you know, <laughs> and they, you know, they have a brand-centric view of the world, which is here they are to save the day. And that's not, you know, the Nando's position at all, uh, which is, you know, we really respect the, you know, the human dignity of taking, you know, the degree of ownership which you can over your own situation. And that was just one example of it. Yeah, I think you guys really love your brand purpose. Um, it seems like your your brand is in the DNA of your company and your company culture. Yeah, it it, uh, it definitely is. It's a man. We're really lucky, uh, and I and I've, and I've had a really like blessed and privileged career to work for a number of really strong brands, both South African and global. But there is something that is mercurial to Nando's in that it is. You know, it's very definitely a people-centric brand. And lots of companies will say, you know, people matter, people first. Uh, and when you have a coronavirus pandemic, like, you really get tested. Like, is it people first or is it profit first? Mm. And, you know, since day one, and if you chat to, you know, our co-founder, Robbie Brosen in particular, but also Fernando Boy, they'll say things like, well, it's the people who make the chicken. And if you look after them, then they're going to cook the chicken really well. And if they cook the chicken really well, the customer's going to be really happy. And if the customer's really happy, the bank manager's going to be really happy. And I suppose a lot of business strategies or brand strategies, you know, look at the world differently. They say, well, how do we please the bank manager? And then you try to find a consumer solution to that problem. As opposed to, well, if you look after the people first, particularly in service-related industries like ours, um, it says that the most important person in our business is the griller. Um, and, you know, if we take care of them, in really meaningful, tangible, measurable ways, which I'm happy to elaborate on, you know, on a different episode, uh, then you have an asset which is admired not just by your customers, which, you know, Nando's is obviously a loved brand all over the world, but it's also loved internally as well. Uh, and if you have a brand that's loved internally, a lot of the devils which are, you know, plague businesses such as ours, like absenteeism or theft or, you know, bad practice, uh, disappear because why would you want to harm the brand that you love so much because the brand really loves you as well so you know marketing in, you know what worries me the most as a discipline is increasingly getting fractured from the rest of the business it's the you know it becomes the communications department or mm. the coloring department is often disparagingly titled but fundamentally marketing is and i really believe this in you know the one discipline that can drive you know whole businesses and therefore whole societies forward particularly when we're faced with challenges that require creative solutions like the coronavirus has given us and, and whether that's write my name or you know turning our, our restaurant into a drive to instead of a drive through because of you know coronavirus and therefore curbside delivery which darren spoke about um, there are a number of ways which, you know, marketing can solve real world problems, both for the business and for its broader stakeholders. And I think the real opportunity for marketing people listening to this podcast is to really seize control of that. And don't think that your job is only to, you know, publish press releases and, you know, respond to customer queries on Twitter. It's far more important than that. And it's far bigger than that. And there's nothing, you know, there's nothing secret about it from Hernando's perspective. I think we've got the benefit of having hugely risk tolerant, you know, founders and shareholders that allow us to take risks. And therefore, you know, we, we enjoy the rewards associated with risk taking. But there's nothing there that isn't, you know, equally in every other brand 
managers remit in any other you know marketing departments anywhere in the world and especially in south africa and we've seen now that the the world is under an enormous amount of threat and challenge we've let the bankers run the world we see what happened when that happened mm. and we've let politicians try to run the world and we've seen the limitations of that as well so in 2020 you know it's a brilliant opportunity for the crazy people the creative people uh, the marketing people the advertising people uh, to have a bash at, at solving things that previous disciplines have fundamentally failed to do and i'm really excited that i get to do that uh with you know smart people like darren and you know the broader nando's community at large what a what a cool time man we're, we're just getting started yeah, I think the, this is a, a good opportunity this year for marketers to reinvent themselves and to understand what is their role because they play such a pivotal role within brands and organizations that I think they've lost some of that focus um, due to yeah. legacy and, you know, p bad perceptions and stuff. And like you rightly put it, um, you know, for me, there's two things that you've said that really stands out is CMOs earning a seat at the table because very often, I mean, we've seen a trend on CMOs now and what their role is in terms of yeah. excos and boards and stuff, you know. You need to actually participate in those right conversations and it does not necessarily revolve around profitability all the time because the role of a, of a marketer is to put your customer hat on um, and be the voice of, of your consumers. And then the second thing is, um, you know, that I think marketers need to think strategically and, and I don't want to use the word strategically freely, but what it mm. means is that we need to think about the business um, and it becomes our business. So we're not just advertisers, but we have a role to play in driving the business agenda, driving the business goals and being part of this brand DNA within the organization because it should be infused into your business at the end of the day. It's not a standalone function that's only absolutely. responsible for communication. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that, you've raised uh, two really interesting points, one of which is, you know, earning a seat at the table. And what's really interesting there, and I've done a lot of research into this, is that's a fairly uniquely South African challenge. If you look at you know, major brands across the world, particularly in Europe, but also true in the, in the States as well, is... Um, one of the most common career paths to CEO is via C, uh, CMO, whereas in South Africa it tends to be via the finance department or the operations department. Um, so it is a fairly uniquely South African challenge that the disregard for marketing is is here. Uh, that said, you know you absolutely cannot take an entitlement approach and say, "Well, marketers deserve to be here." No, no, you earn the right to be there, uh, which means you have to consistently demonstrate the value of your function. Um, and if the value of your function, in, you know, as opposed to some marketing departments will frame it, is, you know, in fluffy, nebulous marketing vocabulary, rather than, you know, there is a return on investment case to be made for putting the customer first, to solving real world customer problems. Uh, and if you can, you know, understand that language, then you can cross those barriers with other departments, particularly the finance department or, you know, the procurement department. And I know a lot of sort of financial institutions, things like product design are left to people who are technically very competent in, you know, financial management and financial design and, and actuaries and the like. And that's really important because you don't want to sell a product that's fundamentally unprofitable. But the role of the marketer often is to just go and sell that. Um, and that doesn't work. I mean, it hasn't worked in, in, in many, many cases because, you know, 
it's so utterly you know separated from the real world reality that you know, many customers live in. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. We deserve a seat at the table, but it has to be earned. Mm. It absolutely has to be earned. I'm, I'm really lucky at Nana's that I get to work for previous CM, CMOs. I mean, that has some byproducts as well. They have firm opinions on how I should do my job, and they understand it because they've done my job. Uh, but I, so I, I take that you know that challenge you know most days, and I'm, I'm afforded you know, way more freedom than perhaps I deserve. But the the opportunity for us as a marketing community, and if you look at you know the likes of Masa and the professional designations uh, committee in particular, uh, to try raise the standard of marketing as a business discipline rather than this distinct, often too fluffy discipline, uh, is a real opportunity. And uh, again, man, if not now, this is the perfect time. Uh, to do it. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with saying that we sh- it should be a business discipline. Um, yeah, because, because we're part of the business. Um, you know, Doug, I feel so passionate about marketing that we can have a whole new conversation about the role of marketing <laughs> and how it's transitioning and evolving and, you know, what's going on, how we should be looking at this uh, going forward. And and I really like to pick your brain on this at another time. But um, in closing, um, what what is the one thing that you want to achieve for the rest of 2020 um, and, and your key learnings from, uh, you know, the first six months of this year? Yeah, wow, what a, what a great question. Uh, Robbie Brosen often says this, isn't it? You know, never waste a good crisis. Uh, and man, we have a properly good crisis at the moment. Uh, and what it's forced us to do, and Darren said it far better than I'm going to, uh, was it's fast-tracked certain things that previously would have been luxury decisions that now become necessary decisions. So uh, I think a big opportunity for us is to reconsider many of the things we do, you know, the degree to which they're useful to the world and useful to the brand and useful to the business, and really critically evaluate that. One thing I'm very passionate about, though, is, and this is unique to market, is they constantly want to redefine their profession. And I think you know, there's certain elements of it that need to be redefined, but the fundamentals of what the marketing profession discipline are fairly stable and fundamental and shouldn't be questioned or challenged unnecessarily. Uh, and if we keep changing our minds as to what it is that we want to do for the world and the business and the brands that we serve, then no wonder people are confused about the value of our function. So it's a, you know, it's the two ends of that spectrum. You know, we need to change what needs to be changed because the crisis you know, affords us the opportunity to do so. But at the same time, you can double down on your efforts on what makes your business work, what makes your brand different and better than other brands in the market, what you know consumer needs can you uniquely meet that no one else can. And if you do that, then there's you know an exchange of value which is inherently profitable. And I don't want people to mishear anything that we've said this morning. Of course, profit matters. I wouldn't without profit, I wouldn't be able to do write my name or to feed people uh, or to you know pay suppliers to, you know, develop curbside technology. So profit, of course, matters. But it's not the only goal. And often it's a byproduct of meeting other goals. So I think a firm reconsideration of all of those variables is something that uh, we are currently underway and will continue to uh, continue to service. Yeah, I think, Doug, you've left us much food for thought. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> yeah. And I really enjoyed this conversation. Perfect. Thank you so much. Well, I'm happy to do it again. Okay, Thank cool. you for having us. All right. Darren, in closing, what is the one thing you want to achieve in 2020 considering your key learnings taken from first half of, of this year? Survival. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, 2020 is, uh, has been the biggest curveball as, uh, as, as anyone could have, uh, could have imagined. So 
Um, you know, I, I, we're certainly not out of it yet uh, when it comes to COVID and, and uh, Cyril, Cyril's announcement on Sunday is, is, you know, true to that. So I think our focus as a business is around ensuring that every single Nando's employee uh, around the world continues to, um, to earn a salary and, and to, to get paid the normal that we did throughout the lockdown period. And, you know, that, that continues to, um, uh, to be our focus. Um, and as we sort of start opening different channels, so Dine-In uh, recently opened as well, uh, to get the business up and running and, and get back to uh, uh, the normal way of, of, of everyday life, um, which is an easy sentence to say, but very difficult to, to action in practice. So I think, you know, if, if by the end of the year, uh, we as a business can remain strong and, and to Doug's point earlier around ensuring that the way we've handled the crisis lives to the values that, we, that we're, the company is ultimately built on, I think we'll look back on this and, and say that it was a crisis well used and, uh, and be proud of what we did as opposed to um, uh, regretting, I suppose, knee-jerk reactions to that. So I think that's a big focus. Speaking to agility, um, I think the beauty of, of social media is that it's inherently a social platform. Um, and so it gives us the ability to talk with people as opposed to broadcasting to them. Now, in order to do that, we listen more than what we talk about and not interrupting people is, is a crucial part of that. Now, in order to do that, I think speed is crucial. And uh, when crafting a piece of content or response or an ad, uh, it can always get better. You know, you can always fix it. You can always improve this X, Y, Z. If you speak to an artist around a painting, you know, the painting is never done. Um, however, what, speaks to us time and time again is the importance of deploying something or going ahead with something that is 80% right, but deployed at the right time, as opposed to getting something that is 100% right, but, um, but releasing it later on uh, when a bulk of the conversation is starting to die out. So I think that's a difficult one to get, to get our head around because something can always be more, can always be improved or, 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 or perfect. But uh, being okay with being good enough, I think, is, uh, is a big part of that. Yeah, I think, Darren, uh, that's a valid statement. There's two things that stand out for me. Is one, it's the brand culture and the appetite to uh, test and uh, possibly fail and learn uh, or test and succeed with whatever you go out at that time. Oh, man, it couldn't be more true. I mean, you know, like I said earlier, there's, that, there's, there's an assumption that most of what we do is, is uh, hits the mark. But the reality is, is that... We fail all the time and we do things wrong all the time. Um, and there's a, the saying of success is a bad teacher. And that couldn't be more true. So, yeah, as long as you don't do the same thing over and over again, um, uh, go ahead and do it. Have some fun. Okay. Thank you, Darren, for your time today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, sure. No problem. Thank you for, uh, for having us. It was fun. We're excited. You're excited. I really value and appreciate your support during this time. Helping decision makers navigate the change and to keep some change in their pockets. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow our Instagram handle at TalkDigitalZA. Engage us on our website at TalkDigitalZA.co.za. And who knows, you could be featuring on the next one.